how great that covering is when love covers a multitude of sin. It qualifies for every single sin except for the rejection of Jesus Christ and who he is. Love covers a multitude. The love of Jesus Christ, that is, covers every single sin that could possibly be committed except for that of the rejection of who Jesus is. You deny Christ, his love can't cover you. You receive Christ, his love will cover you. It still works to this day. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. First Thessalonians 4. This is Paul encouraging the church to abound in Jesus, to abound more and more. It's something that a phrase that he repeated three times in a short portion of Scripture. This area from verse 12 of chapter 3 to verse 12 of chapter 4, three times Paul has this similar phrase of, in verse 12, increase and abound in love. In verse 1 of chapter 4, that you should abound more and more, just as you have received From us, how you ought to walk and to please God in verse 10, that you increase and abound more and more. He's wanting them to take their Christian life, their walk to the next level. He's wanting them to, come on, guys, there's there's another step that you need to take. But here with this love, we skip down now to verse 9 of chapter 4. It says, concerning brotherly love. Now, this word in the Greek is literally Philadelphia. You guys know this word. It's a A city in our country, it means the city of brotherly love. I wonder if that's true today, but that's their name. And in the Greek, it's Philadelphia. It's the same. It's having that brotherly love toward one another. It's it's the love that we have as brothers and sisters in Christ toward each other. Concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. Paul says, I don't even need to write to you guys about this. He does a little bit, though, doesn't he? But he also reminds us that the Lord Jesus Christ teaches us himself about this type of love. In that portion of Scripture from John 13 to John 17, that upper room discourse that we know it as, in John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. So the Lord Jesus Christ taught us that we should love. In John 14, 26, the Lord said, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things 
and bring to remembrance all things that I said to you. And so God, the Holy Spirit, now as believers in our life, he, he teaches us all things and love is part of that teaching. We'll see that here in Romans 5, 5. It says the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us or who was given to us. The love of God being poured out into our hearts, that overflowing, poured in to overflow out toward all who are around us. When Peter writes about this love, this love of God, not phileo, not the Greek word phileo, which means brotherly love, but agape, Peter says in 1 Peter 4.8, above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sin. Now, I believe Peter wrote this by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Love covers a multitude of sin. But I also believe Peter wrote this out of experience. Remember back in Luke chapter 22 that the Lord said to Peter, and we just talked about this a few weeks ago, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you like wheat. Hey, Peter, Satan's been asking for you. He wants to shake you up a bit. But Jesus said, I've prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. And Peter said, Lord, I'm willing to go to both prison and to death for you. And the Lord said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times this night before the cock crows three times. You're going to deny me these three times this night. And, and we know the story of Peter's denial and how he did deny the Lord that night and how he went away weeping, remorsing bitterly. But in John chapter 21, John tells us about a special time that Jesus had with Peter. We pretty much know this story. Most view it as Peter's restoration, that he had denied the Lord three times, and three times Jesus would come to Peter after Jesus' death and resurrection up in the upper end of the Sea of Galilee. Peter was there with Jesus, and three times Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? And three times Peter responded back, Lord, you know I do. You know I love you. And so many would say because Peter denied the Lord three times that there was that three-step process of restoration that the Lord restored him back. We already know that the Lord was going to restore him because he said, Satan has asked for you to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, and so we already know by the word of the Lord that Peter was going to make it. He was going to return. And how could you not if Jesus is praying for you? The word tells us that the Lord is at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us today. How can we not make it? Jesus is praying for us. I mean, you can ask me to pray for you, and I probably will. I'll write it down, and I'll have greater intention than I actually do. You know what I mean? I will pray. I'll have a greater intention. At times, the Lord will bring you. Well, Friday night, I was laying awake from 2 to 3 in the morning, and probably around 3 o'clock, I thought, Lord, maybe you want me to be praying about something. After an hour of staying awake and actually wanting to be sleeping, I began to pray. And as the Lord was bringing people across my mind, I began to pray. And eventually, woke up again at 4.30 or 5. And so in praying, it always works for me. In praying, I can usually... Sad, isn't it? Fall asleep. <laughs> but who better to be praying for you? And the Lord said to Peter, I'm 
praying for you. The word tells us he's at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. But there's something else going on in this portion of Scripture in John 21. There is a play on two Greek words there. Twice Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me with this, what can be best described as the greatest form of love? And Peter responded back every single time, Lord, you know I phileo you, brotherly love. I love you like a brother, Lord. And the Lord said, do you agape me? I love you like a brother, Lord. And the third time the Lord said, do you phileo me? Do you love me like a brother? Lord, you know I do. And it says Peter was grieved that third time when the Lord asked him if he loved him. See, in the English language, we have this, well, we have the word love, and that's it. We like something or we love something. I love my wife. I love beautiful fall days. I love ice cream. I love a good steak dinner. But it's describing different types of love. Nothing like a fall day on a motorcycle out and just wonderful. Love it. But could give up the steak dinners, could give up the ice cream, could give up the nice fall day, give up the motorcycle rides, give up my wife, wouldn't want to do that. Different type of love. But we know that as we say that, but in the Greek, they distinctly had these words, agape, phileo, eros, which is a, we get erotic from, it's that erotic, sensual, sexual kind of love, stoe, another form of love, loving more of objects and things like that. And so they had these descriptive words. And I personally believe that Jesus was trying to bring Peter up to this place of agape. Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me, man, at this level of love? And I believe he wanted to restore him up at that place. But what happened is Jesus met Peter where he was at at that day. But when Peter wrote, as we read from 1 Peter 4, 8, and said, above all things, have fervent love for one another. When he wrote that, he said, have fervent agape for one another. Peter was no longer found in that state of filial love to his brothers and sisters. But he knew that the agape love of Christ will cover a multitude of sin. I believe he not only wrote that by inspiration, but by experience. And perhaps you have that same experience also, that love that's been poured out in your own heart, in your own way as the Lord has reached and touched you. That love still covers a multitude of sin. We can do things that we will be accountable for. Hey, if you speed and get a ticket, you can go and try to get out of the ticket. I did that once in uh, Vernon Hills. There was about 50 guys and two women. And both the ladies were actually in their 50s. I was probably in my late 20s at this time, so they were old to me at that time. But it was amazing. When the ladies stood before the judge, I remember distinctly the one time the judge saying, how old are you? You don't look like you're over 20-something. I mean, he was flirting with them. And he said, eh, let him go. Every guy, guilty, 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 guilty. <laughs> Every single guy. It didn't matter what you said. You were guilty. But the ladies were getting off that day. There was only two there, but they got off that day. That judge had the wrong kind of love. It covered some people's sins, mistakes, but not all. Sometimes we'll do things that we're just going to have to pay for in this life. If you're a murderer and you come to faith, 
you still can find salvation, but you still might get capital punishment for the murder that you committed. But ultimately, you can find life in Jesus Christ. It's just, it's how the word is, how great that covering is when love covers a multitude of sin. It qualifies for every single sin except for the rejection of Jesus Christ and who he is. Love covers a multitude, the love of Jesus Christ, that is, covers every single sin that could possibly be committed except for that of the rejection of who Jesus is. You deny Christ, his love can't cover you. You receive Christ, his love will cover you. It still works to this day. But he's talking about phileo, brotherly love, and he said in verse 10, Indeed, you do so toward all the brethren who are in Macedonia. This was the region that Thessalonica was found in. And so in all the brethren, all the brothers and sisters in faith, you guys are displaying this phileo type of love. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more. Hey, man, let's get better. Let's increase it. Let's ramp it up a bit. As I thought about this, all the brethren who are in Lake County, we would read it today if it was written to us. Church here in Lake Villa, are we displaying this Flail love, not the agape love, just simply this brotherly love to all the brethren, all the believers in Lake County. You know, John, that church over there, they, they don't believe quite the same as we do. Their, their theology is twisted. I, I have problems with them. Yeah, but can you love them? Can you love them as a brother? But not just loving them, but Paul said, increase more and more. Let's ramp it up. Let's get to that place of overflowing to where you're Loving them in agape love as the Lord loves you. I think we have a lot of growing to do. And here's some ways that he gives us to grow in this area, that God's love can flourish in our life. There's three steps here in verse 11, very simple steps. He says that you would aspire to lead a quiet life. This morning I, I recalled a guy when I lived out in California and I worked at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. I was a janitor on the grounds. There was another guy who was a groundskeeper. He great at planting flowers and such like that. And usually when I meet someone, especially a guy, hey, man, how's it going? You know, how's it going? How you doing? It's just kind of how we greet one another quite often. But what we're really saying is hi. And we're not wanting a life story when we ask that question. But this guy, this groundskeeper, would give me a life story every single time. Hey, man, how's it going? And every single time, it was the most miserable, horrible things that were happening. It was never great. It was complain, 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 until I learned to say hi when I saw him. I never would say, hey, how's it going? Because I didn't want to hear it anymore. He didn't lead a quiet life. He didn't aspire to lead a quiet life. He actually lost his job over that same thing, too. I mean, you can only, somebody at staff at church, you know, complaining all the time, it cost him his job. Paul is encouraging us really to live restful lives, just resting in the love of God and, and, and really wanting to live peaceable with others and, and not to really trouble people. Aspire to live or lead a quiet life. Live a restful life. It can be translated out in the Greek also. Just resting in your love that you have of each other and the love of God 
and not really trying to trouble people, you know? And we have people who all, there are people, that's all they look to do, trouble. Number two, mind your own business. We hate to hear that, don't we? Especially when someone's talking to us or we're talking to someone, they turn around and say, hey, mind your own business. But Paul is telling us, mind your own business. And what he's saying is, don't get into the affairs of other people to where in other sections of Scripture, both Paul and Peter calls it being busybodies. Don't be a busybody. Don't be worrying about what that person is doing. Live that restful life, minding your own business, really worried about your relationship with the Lord. Sometimes there are people who are worried about everybody else's relationship with the Lord when they should be worried about their own relationship with the Lord. It's interesting to me that Peter, in this area of being a busybody, minding your own business, being in other people's matters, is how he words it, he says this, and associates this with some things that we would never want to associate it with. 1 Peter 4.15, But let none of you suffer as murderers, as thieves, as evildoers, or as busybodies in other people's business. Hey, she's a busybody. Hey, he's a busybody. Well, he's not a murderer. Well, he put it all together in that one verse. It's not a thief. Well, it's there in that one. Not an evildoer yet. Well, it's all tied together right there. Paul later on in, in 2 Thessalonians 3.11, he still deals with it again when he writes a second letter to them. For we hear that there are some who walk about being disorderly, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now those who are such we command to exhort through the Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. And that's the third thing that he says here. Aspire to live a quiet life. Mind your own business and work with your own hands. Get a job. And sometimes that solves the problem. Sometimes we talk about widows. Paul does to Timothy about widows, that there are those widows who can be busybodies. He said to the church, don't take care of those widows. He, he really he wanted to take care of those who are praying daily and, and really worshiping the Lord, and, and their work was prayer. There's that danger but a lot of times, work can solve the problem. I worked in the trades for a long time. And, you know, there, there are days, especially in the winter, as it's getting cooler when we worked outside all day long, sometimes it was just hard to stay awake on the way home because now you're in a warm truck and your body's warming up. And as soon as your body warms up, you want to sleep. But then you get home and you have a good meal. Now your inside's warming up and it's like the Thanksgiving meal as soon as you get all packed out with that turkey. What do you want to do? You want to, you want to sleep. You want to rest. And a lot of times, just that work, that labor, can solve it for us. It can take care of these problems altogether. So that I don't have time. I'm too busy working. It was like Nehemiah when he was rebuilding the wall in Jerusalem. They were trying to stop the work, and every time they tried to stop him, he said, no, I'm busy. Can't deal with that now. I'm not going to go out and meet you there. I'm busy. I'm working. A lot of times, that solves it. Living a quiet life, keeping out of other people's affairs, keeping to your own affairs, working. And another thing in that work, though, is that we work with our own hands. In Acts 20, 35, Paul would say, 
I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you may support the weak. Remember the Lord Jesus that he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. That through the working, we not only provide for our own selves, but we're also able to provide for those who truly have need. It would seem in this letter that there were some people who were saying, oh, the Lord's come and I don't need to work. I'll just wait. We've seen it here in our nation. And, you know, back in the 80s, there were a group of people who they even made a resort type area and they were just going to live there until Jesus came. Well, Jesus hasn't come yet. The resort's closed now. Didn't quite work out for them. But it seemed that that same mindset was taking place. And Paul saying, no, until the Lord comes. And the Lord Jesus himself says, occupy until I come. Do business until I come. Hey, keep on working. And in these things, we learn that we can abound more and more. He said in verse 12 that you may walk properly toward those who are outside and that you may lack nothing. It's still going back into this working life that you are acting properly toward others by leading a quiet life, minding your own business, that you lack nothing by working with your own hands. And so Paul is exhorting the church in Thessalonica, I believe, and he's exhorting us today that we have these same characteristics of love flowing out of us. He wants God's rich love to just overflow to where, as Jesus said, they will know you by the love that you have for each other. We're all adults here. Pretty much, yes, I think so. And we've seen a lot of bad things in churches. I've been in churches where it's so cold. There's strife going on. There's people ready to, you know, sometimes you, if you could physically see the daggers in the pastor's back, you know, it's just that he's in trouble. And the people are ready to just break apart. It's not love. But I've had people talk about this fellowship and that they see that kind of love here. I don't think we've arrived to what Paul is talking about today. I think we have some more growing to do in this area in love. But I think we are beginning to exhibit it. The church in Thessalonica was. He confessed to him that he was. You are doing that toward the brethren. They were beginning to exhibit this type of love, but he said, I want you to abound, increase more and more. Hey, grow up. Let's, let's keep walking with the Lord. And as you keep walking with the Lord, he's going to keep pouring into you his love. And as he pours into you, well, you can only be filled up so much until it what overflows. Perhaps one day we'll say, as Finney did, Lord, stop, I should die if you keep pouring these waves of liquid love toward me. What a way to describe it. Father, I pray that we could abound more and more in your grace and in your love. I know that we haven't always lived up to this, but I pray, Lord, that we would aspire to this. That, Lord, you would teach us to love. Lord, if we are guilty of these areas that Paul specifically named here today, and we've mentioned the sexual immorality in the last couple of weeks, we've mentioned being busybody, um, not living a quiet life, getting into other people's affairs, not living a restful life, Lord, resting in you, not working with our own hands, but really looking to others to provide for our needs. Lord, if we've failed you in these ways, we ask, Lord, that you would forgive us of it. 
But Lord, I can only ask that you would forgive me, and I could ask for you could forgive each one here, but they need to pray that prayer to you themselves. And so, Lord, work in our hearts as you desire this day, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Paul's talking to us. He's really wanting us to abound more and more, as he said, to increase more and more, to grow up in our faith. And I hope that you are. I hope that you're taking these steps. The first step is knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I don't know if all of you know that. It's the very first step. You can do the other things. You can aspire to live a quiet life. You can not be a busybody. You can work with your own hands. But if you don't know Jesus, you're skipping the first and major step of this life with life of faith, really. You can do the things and not have faith. You can do the things and have religion, but not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The relationship is all that matters. And so, Christian, let's, let's grow up. Let's walk in maturity. Let's display not only that filial love toward each other, but that agape love that's been poured into our hearts. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. We'll be right back.